I'm John, here with my three cents on my weekly playlist. Now, if you're hearing this at all, then there's probably a pretty good chance that you're aware, to some extent or another, of the playlist that I publish each week on both Spotify and YouTube and promote on my blog at johns3cents.wordpress.com. Those are, after all, probably my highest profile presence on social media and have been for quite a while now. With that in mind, though, how well someone knows exactly what the heck I'm doing with those or how I do them or even why I do them varies pretty widely depending upon everything from how much you even care in the first place to how long you've been aware of them to whether you've heard or seen me go on at some length about them, which has been known to happen from time to time. With the idea of maybe getting everybody on the same page a little more and up to speed on all that stuff, I thought I'd take a few minutes and try to give you three cents worth of insight. Now, what's going to follow here is mostly behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. So if you're not into that kind of thing, or you'd simply rather enjoy the sausage without knowing so much about how it gets made, you certainly have permission to bail out of this and just enjoy the music. And if you're still here, then I guess we should probably start at the beginning. I first organized a playlist of current rock songs on YouTube back in October 2011. For some insight on how long ago that was, a little perspective, my current college sophomore child hadn't started high school yet. A few months later, May 2012, is when I began experimenting with and publicizing a similar but shorter Spotify version of the same basic thing. The reason behind both those efforts is pretty simple, and it remains pretty much the same today as it was when I began. They exist so that I have something to listen to. In the six and a half years since I started doing these weekly playlists, I've had a local rock station playing Currents, then I didn't have one, then I briefly had another rock station playing Currents, and then that went away too. And during that time, I think I've had, dropped, had again, dropped again, and had again Sirius XM. So pretty much if I wanted to consistently hear new current rock, I had to find it my damn self. And well, I figured if I was doing all the work digging the stuff up anyway, I might as well share. So that kind of covers the why of it. As for the how... Well, that's going to require some setup too, I suppose. Now, some of you know, and some of you don't, that I'm an old radio guy. Emphasis on the old at this point, probably, but still. And as anyone who spent much time in radio can tell you, habits do die pretty hard. That means that I still kind of think like a radio guy. Not so much in terms of what I listen to or what I add to the playlist, but rather in terms of how they're structured. Now, my main YouTube playlist is the largest thing I do by a fair margin. It contains both currents and recurrents, in layman's terms, what might be called recent hits. You know, stuff that came and went over the past six months to a year, give or take. I figured out early on that if I was having so much trouble finding ways to hear newer rock myself, then probably a lot of other people were too. So I left 50 to 60 recent hits on that YouTube playlist so that people might hear things they had missed. So recurrents plus about 50 current hits, and then another 50 to 60 new songs that honestly aren't likely to ever enjoy much radio success in the U.S., but that I felt like were definitely deserving of that, if there were any justice in the world or there wasn't a shortage of good judgment among today's radio decision makers. And that, by and large, is what my main YouTube playlist contains, with some John tweaks. You see, a lot of hits in recent years aren't really anything I wanted to hear once, much less repeatedly. So I do some, let's call it correcting. The process, every week, for over 300 weeks now, 
goes something like this. I take the latest media-based active rock airplay chart. I remove all the junk. Usually ends up being alterna crap or what I call inactive rock. I remove stuff that was fine but has now kind of lingered on past its expiration date and gotten sort of tiresome to hear. And in order to fill out that list of current hits, 50 to 55 on YouTube at various points, a top 40 every week on Spotify, I replace all those songs that get removed with songs that are farther down the chart or drawn in with some prorated values from other charts. And when I started doing these, Rock still actually had two airplay charts in the U.S., an active rock chart for the harder stuff, and what was called mainstream rock, or just rock, that was kind of more laid back, a little less aggressive in terms of sound. The chart had less volatility. It was slower to add or remove songs, but it was more willing to give attention to older bands that were still active. That chart, a couple of years ago, went away. Now, I do also look and have from the beginning at the Canadian Active Rock chart every week to see if there might be some deserving titles there that aren't getting action in the U.S. but are faring better with radio north of the border. I also draw from an independent Christian rock chart, and there have been at least three independent or smaller charts that I've used for data that have ceased to exist, though I'm still able to capture at least part of that info by now combing through 30 to 40 individual station playlists each week. Back when I started doing these, the whole process typically ended up with 55 to 65 songs that I could identify as being both worth a listen and that were getting a decent amount of identifiable, verifiable airplay somewhere in North America. Basically, they were hits to varying degrees. And then I would painstakingly dig through every source I could find to uncover the best new rock available outside of just the radio hits. Charts, press releases, social media, YouTube, you name it, I've probably dug through it looking for songs. It's a completionist thing. I don't want to not hear something and not include it just because it was hard to find. When I say that I put together the best new rock, I want to really believe that's what I found. And I guess I'm just stubborn enough to spend too many hours a week rooting around to find it. Some of my favorite bands over the last decade can't seem to beg, borrow, or steal airplay anywhere, but that hasn't really affected my ability to enjoy them one bit. So I keep a running list of pretty much every viable song candidate I find for those last spots on that playlist. And every week, I add in the new finds, subtract the ones that have gotten some age on them while waiting, and then I make my picks. And just like my old radio days, it's not unusual for a song to be considered for weeks on end without ever making the cut. But just like my old radio days, I do go back and re-listen to those candidates again. Songs basically go through the decision-making process until they either fly or die. For some idea of the odds of getting added at some point, in an average week, I might add six to eight new songs to the playlist. Those are chosen from a field of anywhere from 25 to 50 candidates for those spots, usually on the high side of that number. And for every viable candidate I do find, I typically end up hearing two times to three times as many songs that didn't even make the first cut. And then, eventually, all of that boils down into what you find on YouTube from me each week. It's long settled into being just under 200 songs week in, week out. But that number isn't just random. There's actually a couple of reasons it is the size that it is. The first reason is purely practical. When I first started doing these, playlists that exceeded 199 songs on YouTube tended to get scrambled. 
Songs would disappear. They'd move all over the playlist. It'd just become a real mess to keep organized if you got past the unofficial limit of videos that they could handle. And that drove me nuts. So I tried to keep the list below that number. The other reason goes back to that thing I mentioned about being an old radio guy and how I still kind of think that way. The number of currents and recurrents in that YouTube playlist is actually a number that I've got a hypothetical rotation for ready to go. Basically, I know the math of how it would all rotate in a traditional radio format. So if anybody listening happens to have a shiny radio station they'd like to hand over to me and show folks what rock radio should sound like today, give me a holler. I'm ready when you are. I've even got the gold, the core gold, the secondary recurrence, the tertiary recurrence, the wow rotations. Those are all worked up too. Well, you know what they say about proper planning. So that basically covers how the YouTube playlist works. Then the Spotify playlist, both my weekly top 40 and my weekly back 40, are just adapted versions of that main playlist. The math there isn't really so scientific. At this point, it's really more about being a number I picked when I first started experimenting with Spotify and the fact that I've kind of gotten comfortable with the synergy of having a top 40 and a back 40. And that is, pretty much, how this all gets put together. The front half is mostly science. It's a matter of taking the published airplay chart as a basis and then improving upon it. The back half of it, the good stuff that isn't getting any love from traditional radio, well, that's where I feel like the art comes in. There's never really been a hard and fast definition of what active rock is. There's room for some interpretation. And that's why you'll see things that are in niches like rap rock or southern rock or sleaze rock or country rap or melodic rock or what I call party rock show up there. It's about whether or not a song would and could fit into a broader sound over a number of hours. My first rule is pretty simple. Don't suck. And since they're my playlists, I'm pretty much the final arbiter of sucks or doesn't suck. Now, it's definitely possible to not suck, but still not fit into my big picture either. Sometimes that's about the feel. Other times, it's just a math problem. Having too many songs that I could live with well enough, but not having enough space to fit them all into the confines of the playlist. At the end of every week, I'm really conscious that I'm putting my name on these playlists, that I'm hanging my hat on them, so to speak. And if I'm not comfortable doing that with a particular song, regardless of who the artist is or what the conventional wisdom about the song may be, you're not going to see me at it, period. And if I know that I'm going to hit skip every time a certain song shuffles through when I'm listening, yeah, that's not getting at it either. Now, of course, there's any number of other little factors that come up in the fine print with all this. No artist gets more than one song in the top 40 at a time. Nobody gets more than one at a time in the news section. Nobody gets more than one primary recurrent at a time, yada, yada, yada. But basically, now you know how this all works and how it gets put together. Sometime down the road, and maybe sooner than later, honestly, I'll probably share some thoughts about how the rock music landscape has changed over these last six years or so, and how maybe I may need to make some adjustments to deal with those changes. But for now, I'm John, and that's been My Three Cents. You can find more from me on the various social media platforms. There's the blog, johns3cents.wordpress.com. Otherwise, probably easiest to just search up John's Three Cents, all one word, and then like on Facebook, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. I'd appreciate that very much.